Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. I'm Chris Clements. And it is debt ceiling. Time. It is debt ceiling Thursday. So last Here night. Here in America. Yeah, last night the House passed the bill that was negotiated between McCarthy and Biden. And, and announced uh, over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and actually, actually, they actually, you know, the. A miracle happened. They they followed their own rules and allowed seventy two hours. Seventy two hours for everyone to read it, and then a lot Went of people rules, were very but... very upset. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Which we have some very unhappy conservatives. We have some very some very cons- unhappy progressives. Yeah. So when so what does that mean when when the very very unhappy conservatives and the equally fuming progressives. Probably means and and they're a, fuming about the same things that one didn't get, like something like work requirements for for Medicare. We didn't get those. Oh, oh okay. Or Medicaid. It was for Medicaid, but we got some work requirements. Yeah. For, I mean, obviously, for, because the left is saying that we're going to take and and they're upset the about the work requirements kids. completely. Yeah. Exactly. Um, look, the way I look at this is, the we won. The Republicans won this de- this debate because Biden, up until a week ago or ten days ago, was saying, "I'm not negotiating. They need to send me a clean bill, a yeah. clean debt ceiling, no spending cuts." And the House passed a bill that was pretty strong, and that served as the starting point for negotiations. And what ended up happening was a big cut in in uh, spending. And it's not as much as we'd all want, of course, but we have a four-vote majority of one house. We don't have the Senate, and we don't have the presidency. I I mean, guys, this is a win. This is a win. I, I, I just am very skeptical, and maybe I'm just a cynic. Is that when when the far right or conservatives in in general, people who claim they're, they're very, very conservative. We had them on the show and they're good friends. And, and I don't want to second guess their motives, but it it begs the question. So the bill that you passed, was that the end all be all? And that was that your, was that your farthest starting point or was that where you, because it certainly wasn't where you're going to wind up and you should know that ahead of time in any negotiation. Right. Right. You know, you you propose everything in the kitchen sink that you want, knowing full well that you're gonna that's gonna get whittled down. Some things are gonna be left out, and other things are gonna stay in in, in certain levels, and that's precisely what happened, right? On, on on many different levels. And so, to your point, it, Biden was not going to negotiate. He had held the, this thing, you know, hostage for ninety six days. I think is what I read. You know, over the course of when Kevin McCarthy met with him in February, said, let's get this done now. Kevin McCarthy held his, you know, his caucus together. They passed a bill which forced Biden's hand. The Senate did absolutely nothing. 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 Chuck, Chucky Schumer did nothing. 
Mitch McConnell did nothing. Nobody did anything. They just waited. And then finally, Biden had to negotiate. And so is this the ultimate what we always wanted? No, of course not. But Kevin McCarthy won. Yeah. And let me let me tell you what he won specifically, because there's a poison pill in this bill that I think is great. And that is if the 12 appropriations committees in the House can't get their act together over the next six months and pass out of committee viable appropriations bills, there's a one percent cut across the board. Mm hmm. And that's true for the House and the Senate. And Republicans, even when we had the House, the Senate, the presidency, all talked about regular order. Oh, I can't. We need to get back to regular order, said, you know, Senator Jeff Flake. We <laughs> need to get back to regular order. I heard it the whole time. They never did. No. They spent just as much, if not more. And now because we have divided government, maybe we can get back to regular order. And regular order means... For those, you know, the uninitiated is, is that bills go through that oversee all the agencies go through the appropriations committee. There are 12 appropriations committees. That is where you design policy procedure for those. Um, for those divisions of government, right, for those agencies like agriculture, like energy, like education, unless there's that oversight. And, and, and you rule by a continuing resolution, they can keep doing whatever they're doing. They have no direction. There's no statutory authority to tell them anything. Right. And so my, my pushback to all the Republicans who are screaming and conservatives are screaming about this bill is, well, now you have the opportunity to do your job. Now you have the opportunity to really go back and do the hard work. Passing a CR, that's easy. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. do anything. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, so that's the, that's my take, and that's a good take. The, uh, I mean, it, yes, it's we would want more spending cuts. We'd want all kinds of different things. But again, we are divided government. It's only a four seat majority. Yeah, if you want to um, force Biden's hand, you know, you should elected. You know, the, the red wave should have happened. Yep, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. So. The and and for the Republican for the conservatives, and this is something that we have as conservatives have had a problem with for you know, a few decades. When we start to fight amongst ourselves, saying, "Well, this isn't good enough," and then it takes Democrat votes to pass something. Well, yeah. guess what? Democrats are going to ask for a price. So all of a sudden, what was a good thing, not good enough, just got worse. Yeah. So the latest is that because Democrats had to cross over and vote to pass this, in addition to Republicans, Democrats are saying, hey, well, what do we get? We want our earmarks back. So now that's at risk. I mean, it's we, we tend to, well, as I said yesterday to my wife, this is a classic example of making the perfect the enemy of the good. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect, guys. It's not no. going to be perfect until we have a supermajority well, and a Republican president. And but, a, but even when we, it wasn't a supermajority, but, no, we, but even when we have the majority, you know, the wall didn't get built. All the different priorities that we said that we would do didn't happen. Obamacare well, not only that, didn't get but spending repealed. went through the roof. Spen spending went through the roof. And where were the conservatives who were screaming bloody murder right now back then? They were going along with, with the president. Along. 
with the president. Exactly. They were going along with the president and on their own little spending spree. Yeah. And, and the truth is, it's only when we have divided government like this do we get these types of bills to where right. there's least some focus on restraint. And the Democrats and Republicans intuitively know that they have spent way too much money. They've, been caught, they've caused this inflationary crisis that we find ourselves in. And the only way out of it is to put the brakes on it. And the brakes are being put on it. I mean, we're not, the, the bill does do that. Now, is there you know, a $4 trillion debt ceiling on top of that? You know, the, a window of debt that, that can be accumulated over the next three years or two years, two and a half years? Yes, that's, that's correct. However, the Republicans, last time I checked, like I said before, have the appropriations process. Yeah. They, they, they have the purse strings. So what are they prepared to do? Right. This is where to uh, put your money where your mouth is. I mean, the, the other thing I look at, if you just want to go really simplistic, is that if people like AOC and Raul Grijalva Raul are so adamantly against this because of how outrageous these spending cuts are. It's not really even a cut. It's a slow, slow of growth. Slowing of growth. I mean, and you vote with them? Because we had in our delegation, we had Biggs. And Lesko and Crane and Gosar all vote with Grijalva. Well, well, and they they all voted together because they can't remember. And that's the cynic in me. Like they they can vote that way, you know, because they're they're in pretty safe seats. They can rabble rouse all they want. Oh yeah, yeah, everyone's in the, every, yeah. They can rabble rouse all they want and raise money, right? And and say, well, we're voting out of principle. It's like, well, if you had thirty. A majority by 30 members or 40 members, as some people predicted. Right. You can vote principal all you want, but you've got four, four seats. Yeah. And that's it. And you don't have the Senate, which you should have had. Yep. And you don't have the White House. And so at, at, at some point you can yell and scream and holler all you want, but, but politics is politics and reality is reality. One of the things that was... A frustrate is a frustrating line is and Biggs has said this and I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it, but I will. Oh well more Democrats voted for this bill than Republicans. Well okay. Then you I mean, then they recognize that there's a that they're not gonna get anything more. This is the best you're this gonna is the get the best they're gonna get. And, and there's some good things in there for Republicans. Yeah. Some really Great good things. things in there for Republicans. And so there's even a great thing in there I mean, for Joe Manchin. They're trying it, to kill well, that. Yeah. Right. But the, keep in mind that the fundamentally, the fact that we have anything other than a clean debt ceiling is a win. Yeah, it's a win. Because that's where the president was. He was like, I'm just insistent on a clean debt ceiling. Yeah. Well, he didn't get it. Guess what? He lost. He lost. That means we won. Take got, the win. We got him. Take the win. We got him to the table. He had to negotiate. And and the Republicans deserve credit. All of them collectively. They passed a bill. Yeah, they passed All a bill. Them, that, I mean, I think set. two people voted against it. Biggs, again, voted against it. Did he? But yeah, he did. Did he really? <laughs> he was like the one of the two. Oh my God. Um, but they, they voted against it. And, and but, but they held together. And that forced the hand. I mean, nobody thought they could do it. Uh, Mitch McConnell didn't think they could nope. do it. I mean, he was prepared to, to pass a, a, a clean 
debt ceiling bill. He 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 said that. Well, yeah. if, if, you know, if the leader can't pull his team together, then we're looking at a clean debt ceiling bill. He said that. So they did it. Now, again, my question back to them is, what out of that bill that you passed, which was aggressive and was good, there was all good things in there. I agreed with probably 100% of it. What did you think would actually get passed after that? Yeah. I, because in any negotiation, you have a starting that's point. The opening, that's the opening solve. That's the opening salvo. Any negotiation, you have an extreme starting point usually on either side. And somewhere you're going to whittle down. Now, there might be some things that you absolutely will not touch. And both sides, you know, struck that out at the, at, at the State of the Union. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid right. was not going to be touched. Well, it can't really be touched in a, in a debt ceiling fight anyway. Right. You've got to go after that through regular order. Well, this and and that's another point is that if you're really going to get spending cuts, that's what the appropriations process exactly. Is for. So, if you're going to cut the education department, then go after it during the appropriations right, process. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna rein in the energy department or the EPA, do it during the appropriations process. Now you have the opportunity. Yeah. Are you going to take it? Because you haven't in the past. Exactly. And that's my frustration with with the squawking on this. It just seems disingenuous. Well, it would be so now. So now it's done. It's going to the Senate. Yep. The Senate's going to try to. They're going to be all kinds it up of for a couple days. Problems. Um, we're on this new deadline of June fifth. Yeah, where uh, did that come from? Oh, it was today. It was June. 4th. We're recording yeah. this June first. It was today. We we're going to yeah, run out of money. Janet Yellen was like, "Oh, life wait, wait, as we wait. know it was going to end." It's June fifth. It's now June fifth. I found some money. Found some money. Well, that's um, the other thing that people don't realize is that tax receipts are coming in and there's plenty of money coming in. Well, we have a spending problem, not a revenue yeah, problem. Yeah, we have a spending problem. Um, so now it goes to the Senate. But the thing that will be interesting to watch is how do the presidential candidates react to this and where do they come down? Pence put out a statement that sounded like he was... He was against it. Um, DeSantis I don't know came out against it. Did he? He did. So where did Trump come out? Trump didn't make a statement. He hasn't made a statement. Yeah. Trump, I mean, the, the amount of spending Trump did, he really is in no position to talk about this, <laughs> to be honest. But speaking of the presidential, I mean, so this uh, week. The, the, the morning jolt on National Review, the headline, Trump 2024 shaping up to be even dumber than Trump 2020. <laughs> yeah. I haven't read the whole article, but I, well, I mean eye. the, 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 the ongoing food fight between DeSantis and Trump right now is just absurd, but we will have three new entrants into the presidential campaign. Yes, we will. As a, this next week, yeah. we're going to have Pence. Well, actually it's going to be Christie and then Pen Christie next Tuesday. And then Pence on Thursday. And also on Thursday, the governor of North Dakota, which I heard that this morning, and that flew, like, where did that come from? Well, I don't know, I, but or, apparently he's very wealthy. So well, yes, maybe, he is. I've, I've met him at an RGA thing. Very nice guy. What's his name? How wealthy but, is he? Is he wealthy I, enough to fund his own campaign? I think he's got some oil money. Uh, the fracking. The fracking. fracking money? Yeah. From North I mean, Dakota. pretty much everyone's up there is you know, yeah. a fracker. That's a fracker. Yeah. Mother fracker. But uh, you think our fair uh, former governor is going to be uh, part of that Mike Pence announcement? 
I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I, I texted been, him yesterday. I didn't get a response. He's been on the uh, he's been on his advisory uh, C four, yeah, advisory committee. Um, I would imagine that he's going to be part of that that team. He might be because um, they are good friends. And I I've met Mike Pence. He's a really he's a, actually a great guy. And we've said it on this podcast. He saved the republic. Yeah, um, yeah. January sixth, save the republic. So. Uh, but it's it's now you know kind of it's busy. Getting, it's, there's a lot crowded. of people, and so I had a conversation last week with someone in which I I started to think through. You know, a lot of people are saying that the only way that this can really you know if you want to stop Trump, it has to be mano a mano, right? But I actually don't know that that's true. Hmm. And here's my theory. I think part of the reason that DeSantis and Trump are in such a death match right now. I mean, Trump wants to destroy DeSantis. Yes. DeSantis. De- um, Rob. Rob. Rob DeSantis. Um, but I guess Ron <laughs> wants to go by DeSantis. DeSantis. Not DeSantis. Not DeSantis. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, no bull. Yeah. Oh, no bull. No. That doesn't work. Anyway, um, the but they they pretty much occupy the same lane. I mean, if you are a MAGA ish, populist ish, conservative, then you are going to like things that both Trump and DeSantis talk about. You know, the anti woke, you know, that kind of thing. So. You clearly have some Trump, like, true loyalists that just love Trump for Trump. But when it comes to the voters that are just, like, generally, like, oh, I'm, these are issues that matter to me, they're pretty much in the same lane. Well, I mean, I, is there I, much daylight between them? Well, I think, I think on the woke, on the, on the war against woke, I think DeSantis wins. I think he's shown a pathway through what he's done with the Florida legislature against Disney, against, you know, the education establishment, how to win. I think that's where a lot of people become energized. He's shown how to win on those issues and how to, how to formulate a message to win on those issues. Okay. And I don't think, I don't think Trump really cares about those issues, to be honest with you. I think he gives them lip service, but, but he hasn't, he had the opportunity to probably take leadership on those issues during his administration. And he just, he really didn't. And and they were brewing during his administration. Yeah. So uh, um, okay. I so that, I hear what you're saying. It. I think it's an interesting point, and I I think there's a lot of Trump voters who could who love Trump who could easily switch to DeSantis for right. some of those reasons on the on the issues yeah. side, right? So and then you look at someone like Tim Scott. He's got a hopeful message. Reagan esque, you know, great personal story. You know, this it, he's. He's Not got a married. girlfriend. He's oh, got a girlfriend. Oh, he, does, oh, he does have a girlfriend. There was an event yesterday. He was interviewed about it. He has a girlfriend. You know, for good reason. Doesn't want to talk about. No. She's she shining she, the light on that. She's probably going to be out on the campaign trail. Man. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, it's, you know, it, she matter. deserves her privacy. I don't know. Anyway. Um, not when you're is. running for president. You well, don't get privacy. Yeah. It'll come out. So... Um, but going back to your comment about DeSantis and Disney, so 
I don't think that's a very good move on his part in a general election sense. Um, because, look, I have my own thoughts about things that Disney does. But at the end of the day, they produce amazing stuff. And they, they have what I would say is a lock on a bunch of families, suburban moms, because of the stuff that, and here's an example. We went and saw The Little Mermaid yesterday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely blew my mind. Really? My, it exceeded my expectations. Were you at the 6 o'clock 3D mile. show? Because that's no, my kids read that one. I was at the 4.30. We did not do the 3 the, the kids are too young for the 3D. They won't keep the glasses on. But, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Yeah, you haven't heard a lot of wokeism coming out of this movie. And I think that's the dividing line, but, but, though. But wait, 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 though. But remember when they announced this movie and the Ariel was <gasps> black. <gasps> what? You can't have a black Ariel? I mean, it's absurd. We're talking yeah. about a fantasy fictional character. But, I mean, but actually, Disney did a great job. And actually, I had this discussion with my daughter, Grace, yesterday because she was going to see the movie. She gave me a report on it later. And, and what she said was her voice was phenomenal. It sounded just like the original. I said, well, that's how Disney, I remember, defended that. I said, no, actually, her voice is the closest thing we have to the original. And that's why she was cast. Well, I, and, I mean, and, I don't know. She was beautiful. She was great. She and, was a great actress. Amazing and, voice. And so, so it was. It wasn't. They tried to pull everybody away from that question of race and ethnicity, which is ridiculous. And and I'm glad you're saying that. Hey, it worked. It was great. Absolutely. I mean, it was perfectly cast. Melissa. Oh, I always forget her name. As McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and if that's really her voice in the singing stuff, oh my gosh, she's got some pipes. I'm impressed. The guy who played Prince Eric, uh, the one thing I love about the I movie. I can't believe we're actually talking about this on the I, podcast. Absolutely, we're talking about it because it's a major sensation. A major sensation. <laughs> we're on the cutting edge of culture. <laughs> well, that might be great, but did you see the, the YouTube video of the uh, man named Nick? dressed up as a princess welcoming young little girls into Sleeping Beauty's castle. No. At Disneyland. I did not see that. Go go look it up. <laughs> so on the one hand, you've got a great movie like this that where they, they're appealing to just everyday families. The other, on the other hand, they have a dude dressed up as a princess named Nick welcoming people to the castle for their for to dress them up as as princesses for their tea time with princesses that's what's driving Shouldn't it be people Cinderella? up the wall <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying and and uh and i'm hopeful for disney i'm hopefully bob Iyer can kind of thread that needle between the wokeism and and just traditional you know judeo-christian <laughs> values which is what which is what disney did for decades and decades and decades yeah i, I mean look so if Whatever the latest foray, so every you know every time something happens, it's a good time to check in. So wherever they are, as far as with Little Mermaid, they nailed it. They nailed it. They nailed it. So, but going back to the original point, you think that the DeSantis's 
you know. Well, I think if, if, if DeSantis wants their, their their special tax yeah, status, I mean the games, which that actually playing, I, I'm totally in favor of that. I don't think companies should have special tax status. And look, after a certain amount of time, there's tax incre- you know incremental funding for different projects. I get that, but this was like a 50, 60, 70 year deal, right? And if it that, but he framed it as going after them because of their wokeism. Uh, and then said some stupid comment about, well, maybe we'll put a state prison next to the <laughs> yes, Disney exactly. World. Well, that's you're losing the bat. You're losing the argument if you start talking like that. Um, my point is that he's walking on some pretty fragile territory when it comes to general election appeal. And maybe he doesn't worry about that right now because he needs to get through the primary. But I think there's there are bigger fish to fry than Disney when it comes to wokeism. Yeah, and I think he'll he'll pivot from that. I think I mean he's in Iowa right now. He's got to talk about things that matter to people in Iowa. Yeah, he's got to matter. He's got to come to Arizona and talk about things that matter in Arizona. You know, when he was here last time, I mean, he all all he did was talk about Florida. It's like, okay, great. Do you know anything about what's happening here? Right. And I think Arizona did pretty well. And 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 probably almost as well as Florida, if not better. Yeah. So, you know. And going back to another point about your point about Trump, Trump is attacking him on things like COVID and yeah, and, that's Trump and, and, and trying to say Walker. that Andrew Cuomo did a better job with COVID than Ron DeSantis. Trump is going to lose that, this argument that nobody that that's where Trump will lose votes and lose voters. And because once you just start lying about things in, in that manner, when your base looks at you and says, wait a second, that's, First of all, that's not true. There's there's no truth to that. Well, well you know and, that. We know that. Right. We all know that. What are you saying? And and so that that's he's going to keep throwing things up against well, the wall. His so he's been a very good at revising history. He's gotten away with a lot of it, but in the in the context of a primary against a guy like DeSantis, to try to revise history with that audience, mm, not going to work. Yeah. Not going to work. No, we we were all there. We all paid he attention. He never fired Fauci. Yep. You didn't fire Fauci. Fauci. You locked everybody down. You couldn't give clear answers as to what your policy was going to be. For for Trump, the entire you know, COVID debacle, all the lies that, that were conspiracies that are now true, yeah. are going to be uh, something he's going to have to try to defend. I don't think he's going to do a good job with it. He's, he's proven it now. Yep. Well... We'll be back next week to talk about it more. Oh my goodness! It's just it's it's just a smorgasbord of stuff. Smorgasbord. Yeah, but uh, I guess go see the Little Mermaid. Go see the Little Mermaid. Uh, Highly I, recommend. I personally am going to go see Spider Man. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. All right. God bless. Thanks, guys. Take care.